darkness came over the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama, sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to its mouth. John 19:30. When Jesus received the wine, he said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Luke 23:46. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus said, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You guys could be seated. Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you guys. That was incredible. For our readers, for the music. Um, we could go home, but I you know, prepared this, so we're not going to do that. Um, so our readers uh, during our time this evening have read through the seven, the seven different sayings of Jesus on the cross. And you get this picture of Jesus' last thoughts and words while he was dying for our sins. And, and I'm going to focus on one of those sayings in my few minutes tonight. We're going to reflect on these. And it's really these three words that I want us to reflect on. It is finished. I believe that we, we call our, we, we are Christians, right? We're a Christian church, the church of Jesus Christ. And one of the central tenets of our faith is this phrase right here. It is finished. The phrase is not, we should do more, or this, or that. Church, hear this. If you have your faith in Christ tonight, hear the sweetest news in the world. Here's the news. It is finished. And friends, the greatest news in the world should change the way we live, the way we sing these songs, how can we not sing these songs with the greatest of loud and terrible noises for me, but with tears and hands raised and hearts in a sense abandoned because it is finished. But the problem with, with myself and, and us is that we, are, we just have amnesia, don't we? We just forget, we forget all the time of the great work that God has done to pay the price for our sins so that we can live in freedom. We don't live as it is finished people, we live as we must do better people. And friends, that is a curse from the enemy. And hear this, the curse is broken, the curse is over, it is finished. We, the people of God, can live and walk and skip and jump and cartwheel and shout in victory and freedom because it is finished. But then, then there's bills. <laughs> and there's kids. Hattie Jane has gone rogue, guys. Her thing now is she just strips naked at the house. 
and I don't know what to do with that. I'm like, Tracy, you're up now. I'm out. I'm out. I tap out. I can't do all this. Um, and like, it's, it's hard. Uh, your job is hard. You know, during the pandemic, we learned that everybody's job is hard in the pandemic, didn't we? Everybody's job is hard. And I have pastored and have been a, a, a person long enough to know that everybody's story is hard. I know many of you in this room, you limped in here tonight. Like, you didn't come like, look how great I am. You came like, I, I need to hear from God tonight, right? And we forget the finality of those words of Jesus, that it is finished. So let's go to our Bibles in John uh, 19. Look again at this passage and just reflect. I'm not going to be long. Look at verse 28. It says here, after this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished. He knew that everything was now finished. It's like he knew the work was about to be done. You ever been there? Like the, the hardest job in the history of the universe. It's like one more thing to check off. Like the job is almost done. It's almost done. You know, Jesus, he, he kind of gives this picture because God sent Jesus with a job to do, like specific things that the Father sent the Son to do. John 17, Jesus says this. He says, I have glorified you on earth, talking to the Father, by completing the work you gave me to do. Just, I can't even imagine just the Godhead in their plans, the Father making plans, sending the Son, the Son on earth, abiding with the Father, removing himself, getting away and praying, hearing from God and fulfilling his plans perfectly. The Father sent the Son a job to do. And tonight, we're going to look at this job just for a few moments and answer three questions. What was this job? Why was this job needed? And what now for us? What's this job? Why? And what now? So first, let's go to what. What was the purpose of this job? First John 3 says this, you know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins. And here's the key. And there is no sin in him. Uh, you probably know this if you're a Christian, that Jesus lived a perfect life. Even on the cross, we heard tonight, they are beating him and murdering him. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He is loving his enemies. There was no lust in the life of Jesus. There was, there was no sin at all in his life. And here's why. The first reason he came, to be a spotless lamb. We needed somebody to live perfectly because we could not live perfectly. We needed a spotless, perfect lamb sacrifice. He was holy. He was perfect. But he wasn't just perfect. He also came to lay down his life. He came to lay down his life. Hebrews 10 says this. Every priest stands day after day and offering the same sacrifice time after time, which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. This one man, 
this perfect sacrificial lamb did his job and then sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. So he was a spotless lamb, but he also came to be a perfect sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice. Because a sacrifice was needed for your sin and for my sin. And this is the scandal of the gospel in a sense. You know, uh, my kids, even this week, they were talking about how this is not fair. Ever hear that before? Uh, maybe you think that sometimes. This is not fair. This is not fair. Here, here is the thing about being a Christian is there's the cross, the most unfair thing in the history of the universe, right? So it's, it's tough for us now to talk about fairness in light of the cross, I read this this week, that Jesus, he turned the courtroom of God from a sentencing hearing to an adoption court. That it went from this judgment seat to adopting us into his family because he was this perfect sacrifice. Him who knew no sin made himself sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. A spotless lamb and a perfect sacrifice. But it wasn't just this that he came for. That's not the only reason that he came. He came for more. Third thing, he came to establish his kingdom. Hear this. The cross is not fully about you. The cross was about defeating sin and death and establishing Jesus' kingdom here on earth. Think about the start of his ministry in Mark 1. He says, the kingdom of God has come near. And it came near in a person. It came near in a king. That's King Jesus. That's why we sing all hell, King Jesus. Because the king of the universe came near through the person of Jesus. He said, to enter my kingdom, repent and believe in the good news. See, the good news that Jesus came and was a perfect spotless sacrifice was so that we, his people, could have our sins taken and then we could then walk fully in his kingdom walk fully with him and establish his kingdom here on earth. He taught us to pray, right? He said, pray your father this, that his kingdom come, that his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He came to establish his kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. I love this. And John, he tells them, all the great works that Jesus, would, would, Jesus did, he said, it's better that I leave so that greater works might happen. Because as he established his kingdom through his death and his resurrection, he empowered his followers, his disciples, to bring his kingdom here on earth. So, so that's the what. And if you've been in church, you've probably heard that before, that he came to be this sacrifice, this substitution, a perfect spotless lamb. He came to establish his kingdom. That's the what. But what I really want to get to tonight is the why. Because the what can be sometimes mechanical, but the why gets to the heart of God. And friends, what we need tonight is not just to know the things of God, we need to know the heart of God, to see the heart of God that makes all things new, that brings the greatest men in the world to their knees. It's his kindness, it's his love that leads us to repentance in life. 
So why? Why did Jesus come? Why did he have this great task to do? Here's why. Because our sin is greater than we ever could imagine. Good news. Good Friday. Because our sin, friends, your sin goes further than you could ever imagine. Listen, we've all sinned, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think we're pretty clear on that. But here's also the thing about our sin. Our sin even messes up the good things that we do. Isaiah 64, all of us have become like something unclean. And all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. Your acts are like a polluted garment. They're like filthy rags. Because here is the issue with our sin. Our sin isn't simply on the outside of the cup. I'll never forget, we had a um, a house fire years ago. And um, I I did not cause this house fire. I want to be clear on that in case the authorities are listening. I did not do that. Um, But I'll never forget the smell of smoke. Friends, you cannot get smoke out of clothes. Because it permeates everything about it. You wash it, you send it off, you wash it, you put it in a new house, in a new closet, you send it off, and that smell is still there. It permeates everything. Hear this, friends. We could not defeat sin. We could not pay the debt. We couldn't do any of those things because our sin is so great. And and also, he came because sin destroys the world. Does it not? That the effects of sin, the rottenness of sin, it multiplies and it multiplies and it distorts and it ruins creation through its selfishness, through consumption, through it being all about us. This rotten core, it permeates and the stench of sin is all over the world. And hear this, friend, our God is a loving God and sin and injustice requires justice. Sin and injustice requires justice. It requires a just God, a loving God. So the first reason why is because our sin is greater than we can imagine. imagine. Second reason, as great as our sin is, his love is greater. His love is greater. Hear this, friends. Your sin you will never get rid of in your own power. You will never checklist your way out of a sinful core. But hear this, as great as your sin might be, as destructive as your sin can be, his love is greater. His love is greater. Romans 5, God proves his own love for us that for, for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. His love is greater. It's the love of a father. It's the love of a father. We we hear this, I think, in John, where Jesus says, before the foundation of the world, the father loved me. So before God was creator, before God was a ruler, our God was a loving father. And that has never, ever stopped. And the great story of the cross The great story of the sacrifice is this right here. It's a father sending his son for the people that he loves. This is the great story of the prodigal son, right? 
that the, the prodigal son, in his sin, the father runs after him to meet him, right? Our father gives good gifts to his children. Our father's love is great. So we see this, that our sin was great. His love was greater. And our last reason why is this right here. To make all things new. To make all things new. To make all things new. Do you hate the effects of sin? Do you hate the consequences of sin? How it just permeates and it ruins everything. There's coming a day when he will make all things new. And we see God's heart, even in Genesis 3, where he promises that one day the head of the enemy will be crushed. And hear this, the son was crushed on the cross so that God could crush the head of the enemy. He promised even in Genesis 3, this rescue plan began. And then he sent Jesus to establish his kingdom here on earth to make all things new. This was the mission after the fall and the mission still today. But hear this in Revelation 21. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. Imagine that day. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. I'm reading this verse in verse 4 how he'll wipe away every tear. Have you ever sat with a brother or sister in Christ at their lowest moment? They've been caught in their sin, they're sick, or someone has died, and they're just weeping, just weeping. Church, one day, he wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. He came to make all things new. And what's so interesting is that this is the echo of every soul in the human race. But we flail and we flail and we look and we buy and we look and we buy and we hope in all of the wrong things. When the one who can make all things new came and lived a perfect life, died on a cross and is pursuing us today because he will make all things new. This was the work that Jesus came to do. This was his checklist. Be perfect. (laughs) Be a sacrifice. Establish my kingdom because their sin is great, but his love is greater and we're going to make all things new. And so Jesus, he sees this here in in John 19. Let's go back to verse 29. Then a jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it to his mouth. And when he received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And those three words have changed the world, that it is finished. Because he knew this great task that his father had given him. And that Jesus perfectly submitted and followed through with. Hear this. 
Jesus took the job. And hear this, church. Jesus finished the job. The king's work was done. It's complete. There's nothing left to do. The king has finished the job. And we can breathe. We, the people of God, can breathe because our Savior King has finished the job. So what now? So we look to the what, the why, what now? What do we do in light of Jesus saying it is finished? First thing I'd encourage you to do, live like it is finished. <laughs> live like it is finished. For example, if I gave you $10 million today, you would live differently. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like very like godly and you wouldn't, I don't know. Um, but most of you would probably buy a new car, buy a new house. You do something like that. You would live differently, right? And that's great and fine. But, but with the phrase and the truth and the reality that it is finished, we should live differently. Friends, we should live restful. The greatest task that you would have to do is already done. Remember that, that <laughs> some of my boys are doing chores, and sometimes, once in a blue moon, they'll do a job for, for, the, for their brother. And you would think like that heaven has come down. Oh, thank you, Hayes. Oh, thank you so much. The greatest task we ever had to do has been done. It's been done by Jesus. So we can rest. We should live peaceful. We should live as peacemakers. Because all the sin, all the muck, all the stuff was on our Savior, not on us. So we can walk in peace. We can walk in shalom. Church, please hear this tonight. Because it is finished, we can live joyful. We can live joyful. We can sing. We can shout. We can clap. We can dance. We can smile. We can smile. There is like this joyful weepiness in a person that realizes and owns it is finished. Where like sometimes they can't talk without crying because they know how sweet God is. Joyful. Because it is finished, we should live merciful. We should live merciful because you know the debt that was covered. And if that great a debt was covered, how can we ever show judgment and shortness and hate and lack of mercy on a brother, on a sister, on a lost person? Because of the overwhelming mercy that God has shown on us. Amen? We should be the most merciful people the world can imagine. And the world church is getting harsher and harsher. And God forbid the church joins the world. The church, what we do is mercy and grace, church. It's what we do. We don't put on great shows. We don't have the best speakers. We don't do all this stuff. What the church does, the people of God, I'm sorry I'm screaming, is this right here. Is that we show mercy and grace in a harsh world. Because it is finished. I'm beating on the thing right now. Oh my gosh, I am beating on this. Step Martin, be proud. Um, 
merciful. We should live like it is finished. Second, we should remind each other that it is finished. That's really our role as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's to remind each other when I forget tomorrow that it is finished and I'm anxious and I'm worried and I'm this and I'm, I walk in shame. I need a brother or a sister in Christ to remind me, hey, Jason, breathe, breathe. It's finished. It's finished. My brother Dave, my friend Dave this week said this to me. It's in the rest of God his finished work, that we get the rest of God. It's in the rest of God that we get the rest of God. Friends, this is what unifies us. It's not our race, not our money, it's not our politics, it's not this, not our style of church. What unifies the church of Jesus Christ is his finished work on the cross. We can sing different songs, preach different ways, have different things. What unifies the church of Christ is that it is finished. And we desperately need each other to remind each other of it is finished. Last thing, I got to go. We should tell others there is hope because it is finished. Me and Luke, uh, he mentions earlier, we were looking at these cards the other day and weeping at all that God has done. My brother Kobe, even today, was putting his sin to death. Amen? Saying, it is finished. Immediately, we're talking about, here's a newsflash. Sin is not just like in some people. <laughs> Discouragement, fear, a lack of hope, a lack of love is found everywhere. But friends, we have the good news, don't we? So our job in this as free people, as freely loved sons and daughters that know it is finished, is to go tell others. So Jesus came to make all things new. Well, guess who he sent to help make all things new? He sent the church. He sent us to be these agents of reconciliation, these ambassadors of hope. So our three things of what now? Live like it is finished. Remind each other that it is finished. And last, to tell others who have no hope that it is finished. This is Good Friday. This is why it's good, friends. It's kind of weird to talk about the death of Jesus being a good thing. But it's good because we now have hope because my mess was paid for. The bill was covered. It's finished. It's a blessing. It's such a great reminder. And we're going to end our time tonight with communion and then a song. But we're going to remember tonight in vivid detail of Good Friday 2,000 years ago when our Savior on a cross, as we take the barely edible wafer in that thing, and we were reminded of the body, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God that was broken on that cross for our sins. Then we're going to take the juice and partake. And we remind there was a blood, there was a sacrifice that covered and washed away our sins. This vivid reminder of the greatest news ever. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, the hope of the gospel.
Thank you for being the one who knew no sin, but took on my sin so that I could walk in hope, so that I could walk in freedom, so that I could walk in righteousness, Father. So we thank you. And tonight I ask that you remind us of the freedom of the cross. That as we partake, it is this tangible reminder that we can taste and see and feel and smell of your goodness and your love for us. Do a work in our hearts, Jesus. We love you. We ask and pray all this in your name.